WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Hey, that is me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 47. Tonight and overnight, some more clouds, low 38. And then Friday, mostly sunny, high 48. Another weather system, a wet one coming in Friday into Saturday. If you are walking out the door with us right now, it is 38 and partly cloudy in Sleepy Hollow up in Westchester County. 41 and partly cloudy in Harrison down in New Jersey. And it is 42 and overcast outside our Midtown studios. A whole lot to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning starting in New Jersey this morning where the Passaic River continues to rise. Another nightmare for them. That intense flooding that took place right before Christmas uh, flooded out so many homes. And here they are again, back where they were just a couple weeks ago. This homeowner in Wayne is right along the Passaic River, which is expected to crest sometime today. The first time I got it pretty bad. I lost everything. My basement, whatever I had, furnaces, washer, dryers. Uh, my street is already cracking. My, I have two pumps in the basement running right now. The Passaic River expected to crest around the same level it did just a few weeks ago when it flooded out all those homes in Passaic County. Flooding also expected today and tomorrow from the Ramapo, Rockaway, and Pompton Rivers. We've been through it before. My pump's working. As long as they don't turn off the water, the electricity will be fine. It's not going to come over. You can tell already nothing bad's going to happen this time. Last time it flooded through the street. And local authorities have been urging people to evacuate over the last 24 hours because they say it may be hard to get to them once the river overflows. We already have everything packed and ready to go. We're just waiting to see what happens. And, of course, the big question is, why do these people stay in these homes? There are some buyout programs. Some of these places are places that now routinely flood. Others, like in uh, Wayne along Ryerson uh, Avenue, or Ryerson Road, rather, uh, it's been flooding there for years. I was a reporter back there decades ago, and flooding was an issue. It's difficult to, you know, take everything you have downstairs and move it. Elsewhere. The Wayne Mayor Christopher Vergano says um, homeowners there should take advantage of this federally funded buyout program because this is now two or three floods in the last couple months. And he says it's clear this is the you know weather pattern going ahead. They've been here forever when it's not raining and it's not flooding. They have beautiful neighborhoods. There's a lot of vacant land around them because we purchased a lot of homes. And I understand that it's a voluntary program. But this is two storms three weeks in a row within the three-week period. I think that might give people the edge to say enough is enough. It is beautiful there near Ryerson Road. Uh, in the meantime, Wayne Township Public School is going to be delayed 90 minutes today. There's all kinds of just traffic nightmares to get around this flooding. It is not only in Wayne. Uh, Lodi getting hit hard with flooding from the Saddle River. Bergen County Executive Jim uh, Tedesco wants the federal government to step up with flood prevention by dredging the river consistently. The only way that that can be done is with large sums of federal dollars 
and the bureaucracy has to go. Governor Murphy in Lodi yesterday says it's unfortunate the flooding is happening with increased frequency and intensity. What he says due to climate change, he says the state's going to do everything again to qualify for federal aid. Our hearts are with the homeowners who are getting whacked by this. We're going to do everything we can to try to qualify for federal money. That's a very high bar. A lot of arguments, though, from people in these towns that do not live in the flood zone saying, why do we have to keep paying to get these people out of trouble when they know they're going to get flooded out every time there's a heavy rain? This Lodi homeowner says he was essentially tricked into buying his house in a flood zone, did not realize it would be this bad. When we bought the house, they're like, hey, it happens maybe every seven years. Oh, you see back there? Yeah. The entire wall broken, destroyed that wall. That whole wall was destroyed over here uh it crumbled because it couldn't uh, withstand the pressure of the water by the way not just in new jersey we see this flooding across the tri-state again a lot of it in places where it does routinely flood suffolk county executive ed romaine out on long island asking governor hochul to declare a state of emergency following monday's storm which left multiple communities there underwater he says the action would qualify the community for fema aid to help rebuild some beaches and dunes too that were damaged by the rain that would qualify us for fema aid so we're hoping that the governor will do that we're going to try to rebuild our dunes and help our beaches. Yeah, watching out on Long Island, these new breaches have opened up on Fire Island, the barrier island that protects the South Shores. That's a big issue. And this all happening as more winter storms could bring more rain, some colder temperatures, some snow to New York City and the tri-state. The first storm is on track to dump significant snow across the Midwest this week. It already is. And then when it gets here, it's really going to be a rain event, which, of course, we don't need, especially in those areas. That's starting uh, tomorrow night into Saturday. And there's actually a chance for snow or rain in our neck of the woods on Monday night into Tuesday, but it's still too early to tell if that's going to take place. The other big story of the morning is will the F-line derailment uh, cause problems on the morning commute? The, if you weren't watching yesterday, the uh, F-line train uh, derailed on the elevated track. This was near the aquarium on Coney Island. The incident occurred on the subway track that runs above West 6th Street between 8th Street and Neptune Avenues. Two rescue cars evacuated 37 people off this train. Of course, we had that problem last week, the two trains colliding. This guy was on this train uh, out of Coney Island. The train just shook and went sideways. It went up and sideways. So that's what it felt like. So I knew right away it was a derailment. I've never experienced it before, but it was obvious. The train was coming into the Neptune station at the time of the incident. The cause of the derailment's not really totally clear. Transit Authority officials say the rail car was new. The investigation now focused on the track themselves. Here's Transit Authority President Richard Davey. Look, we'll get to the bottom of this. I realize that uh, we had issues obviously last week as well, and uh, we'll get to the bottom of whatever uh, this is. But at this point, uh, from the um, collision we had last week and derailment today, don't seem like they're connected at all. So the goal is to have everything back on track for rush hour this morning. You know, the track needs to be straight in order for uh, a train to, uh, to run uh, run on top of it safely and, and without uh, a slow speed derailment as we had here. So we're going to look at that and see. Yeah, but what is going on? We've had three accidents in just the last couple of weeks. WABC News Time 509. Let's go out to the 2024 race for the White House. Chris Christie dropping out of the presidential race last night. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why 
I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States. He was up in New Hampshire yesterday. The former New Jersey governor says he thought it was important to be in the race to warn voters about the dangers of Donald Trump. Uh, he chastised fellow candidates who won't say Trump, he says, is unfit to be president. I'm going to make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump to ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition. The big issue for Christie was he just failed to gain any traction in any of these polls. The announcement leaves, of course, uh, former President Trump, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy is the only remaining Republican candidates. There was a moment, by the way, yesterday where Christie was caught on live mic. He did not know he was on live mic talking about Nikki Haley. And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. Yeah, okay, so that's how he really feels. Former President Trump uh, weighing in on Chris Christie getting out of the race will give a boost to Nikki Haley. I have polls that show me leading by a tremendous amount in New Hampshire and a lot in Iowa and nationwide. We're leading by almost 60 points. And then last night there was a debate in Iowa between Nikki Haley and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Nikki Haley defending herself against trans bathroom bills during the CNN debate. Florida Governor DeSantis challenging Haley's record on keeping bathrooms separate, an issue that's been sort of front and center for a lot of Republicans. Now, Nikki Haley sided with Disney. She uh, invited them to South Carolina, uh, even though they were involved in transing kids. Uh, That is not what we need to do. Haley countered that she's been on the forefront of separate bathrooms. The two have been neck and neck for the number two spot behind Trump. Haley says Donald Trump uh, lost the 2020 election. She called the 2021 Capitol riot last night a terrible day for America. At the end of the day, I will always defend and fight the const- for the Constitution. That's what we should do as Americans. I think what happened on January 6th was a terrible day, and I think President Trump will have to answer for it. And she says it's wrong that the former president won't concede that he lost the election to Biden. My role model for how to do the Constitution is uh, George Washington. He said the Constitution is the guide that I will never abandon. And uh, while that debate was going on last night, Donald Trump was having his own town hall. Former President Trump staying quiet so far on a choice for vice president. Should he get that far? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. (laughs) Okay. Trump appealing to voters on a wide range of topics ahead of the upcoming Iowa caucuses next week. We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back to where they came from. We have no choice. Yeah, the president. We have no choice. The president speaking about the border. President Biden, other GOP nominees during his hour. DeSantis wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. Nikki Haley wants to cut Social Security and Medicare. Nikki Haley wanted to raise the uh, age from 65 to 74. They have chaos now. They have chaos at the border. They have chaos in the military. People are going woke. We have the greatest military in the world, except for the top. WABC News Time 513. Let's go down to Washington. Kind of a crazy day there yesterday. Hunter Biden's legal team was questioning why Republicans don't want to hear Hunter testify publicly. California Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell says Hunter was ready to testify yesterday. Just down the hallway, Hunter Biden is sitting in the oversight committee. 
He's ready to testify publicly, it appears. The president's son stormed into and then out of this congressional committee hearing on whether to hold him in contempt after showing up on Capitol Hill announced. The president's son did not answer any questions as he left accompanied by his legal team. We actually had a court reporter there. We made a record of him not showing up for his deposition when he was overdue in a press conference. Uh, on uh, on the Capitol, outside the Capitol. Yeah, and it was just sort of crazy as Hunter Biden, maybe you saw the pictures of this, him sitting in the back of this room with his arms folded as uh, the Congress members, some of them took shots of him, others defended him. Mr. Chairman, um, if the, the lady recognizes If the general lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Everybody's getting along so well. The president, they were they were also involved in this impeachment inquiry into President Biden. This was all part of this committee hearing yesterday. Chairman, uh, excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Oh. Okay. Uh, Republican <laughs> Congresswoman Nancy May, South Carolina, tearing into Hunter Biden. First of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's You are the epitome of white privilege coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. Democrats pushing back. Just down the hallway, Hunter Biden is sitting in the oversight committee. He's ready to testify publicly, it appears. Jim Jordan, uh, Republicans, says um, he's upset with Hunter Biden. We actually had a court reporter there. We made a record of him not showing up for his deposition when he was overdue in a press conference. Uh, on, uh, on the Capitol, outside the Capitol. Yeah, I see here I have like seven more bites. They're not that interesting, but it was interesting to see him come in and out of that uh, joint session yesterday in Congress. 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, happy Friday Eve, Justin Ellick. Good morning, happy Friday Eve to you, Noam Layden. We start with the uh, breaking news out of uh, Alabama. Nick Saban officially hanging up his headset, one of college football's coaching grades. He won seven national championships and turned Alabama back into a national powerhouse that included six of those titles. He did announce his retirement yesterday after 17 seasons in Tuscaloosa. Quote, the University of Alabama has been a very special place to Terry and me. Saban did stay in a written say, I should say, in a written statement. Quote, we have enjoyed every minute of our 17 years of being the head coach at Alabama as well as becoming a part of the Tuscaloosa community. Saban, who uh, just ended his final season and he lost to eventual national champion Michigan in the Rose Bowl, won 201 games, tied with Vince Dooley uh, from Georgia for the second most wins at a single school in SEC history, behind only Bear Bryant, who won 232 games in his 25 seasons with Alabama. Under Bryant, Alabama reached dynastic heights, winning 13 SEC championships and six national titles. Saban returned the Crimson Tide to those heights, winning nine conference crowns and six more national championships. So sayonara to the great Nick Saban. Locally and at the professional football level, the New York Giants and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale have a, have finally mutually agreed to part ways, the team announced yesterday. Martindale is free to sign elsewhere without restrictions. The source did tell ESPN the Giants will keep the $3 million he was owed, according to the agreement by both parties. And it comes as no real surprise here, as we knew already that Martindale was expected to resign from his job. That decision came after the team fired two of his closest assistants, moves that prompted Martindale to curse out coach Brian Dable 
a source confirmed ESPN on Monday of this week. Sticking with the NFL, Pete Carroll is also out as the Seattle Seahawks head coach after 14 seasons, 10 playoff appearances, and the franchise's lone Super Bowl championship. Carroll, whose Seahawks finished 9-8 and and missed out on the playoffs for the second time in three seasons, he will remain with the team in an unspecified advisory role. On the hardwood after an off day yesterday, the Knicks and Nets will return to action today and tonight, this afternoon at 2 p.m. The Nets are in Paris. That's Paris, France. Really? Yeah, apparently. To what take, are they doing there? Uh, they're going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, oh, I guess, okay. underneath the Eiffel Tower. Not really, but they are in Paris. That'd it's be funny. Yeah, it's the uh, NBA Paris game. Uh, and then tonight we'll return stateside to watch the Knicks tip off with the Mavericks in Dallas at 8.30 p.m. That's a lot to get them to just go out to Paris for one game. And then they're back here again. I, I got right. to look into it, but I guess that's what it sounds like. So, I don't know. Anyway, uh, no local action on the ice yesterday either, but all three local games get set to, uh, local teams, I should say, get set to lay some back up tonight. The Devils will visit the Lightning in Tampa Bay for 7 p.m. Puck drop while the Islanders simultaneously get going at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Later on at 8 p.m., the Rangers return to action in St. Louis against the Blues. That's sports. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Uh, 520, illegal immigrants from China poised to become the fastest growing group that's sneaking across the southern border into Texas. Experts say this shows how global the Mexican cartels have become. A lot of these groups in Mexico have become truly international. They move individuals, fentanyl, drugs, exotic animals, and things like that throughout the world. Rice University professor Tony Payan says there are even links to Mexican immigration authorities who are accused of working with organized crime. In the first 11 months last year, more than 31,000 Chinese citizens were picked up by law enforcement crossing illegally into the U.S. from Mexico. That's a 2,000% increase. I don't think we can talk about cartels any longer. I think we we have to talk about international mafias. Of course, all these people paying them off. They know where the demand is. They know where the supply of the service is, and they're going to tap into it. If there's money to be made, they're going to find it. That going on as Republicans continue to criticize the White House for their handling of the flow of illegal immigrants across the southern border. Senator Ted Cruz points to the number of people whose names appear on the FBI's terror watch list. I believe the odds are extraordinarily high that in the year 2024... We will see a major terrorist attack in the United States. He says the situation on the southern border indefensible. Terrorists coming across our southern border right now. And Joe Biden and the Democrats in the House and Senate, they do not care. This administration is endangering the safety of every American because they do not know what terrorists are coming in. And congressional Republicans holding their first hearing to impeach the head of Homeland Security, the attorney general for Oklahoma. His name is Gettner Drummond, says a surge of illegal immigrants into his state has fueled a spike in crime. The people of Oklahoma don't deserve to live under constant threat from criminal foreign nationals. He's pointed to a 2022 murder of four workers at an Oklahoma marijuana farm. The gunman, he says, was an illegal immigrant from China. Yesterday's hearing, the first of several that are planned for this year, it's unclear if the House will have the votes to impeach Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Republicans down to a really slim majority at this point. We don't deserve to have our communities flooded with illegal drugs that were smuggled across an unsecure border. The carnage of that day is but one tragic example of a failed system played by failing leadership. Now, the flow of migrants, asylum seekers, whatever you want to call them, across the border have slowed down. Actually, just in the last couple of days, more has to do with weather, freezing weather in South Texas affecting that flow. El Paso County Commissioner David Stout says they're seeing the sharp decline as the thermometer hits freezing. 
We've seen a significant drop in the number of folks that are being released to us by CBP for processing and sheltering. And apparently, give some credit to Mexico. They've increased their efforts to slow the flow. They've started to remove migrants from trains and in some cases fly them back to Central America. You know, usually it's very common. I think, you know, migration is cyclical. And when temperatures get colder, we see changes in the flow of migration. Typically, when it gets colder, we see we see a downtick in the number of people that are that are trying to cross. Yeah, and we're seeing that right now. Five. 23. Let's go overseas, over to Israel, where it just continues to be a mess between Hamas and Israel. Secretary of State Antony Blinken urging Israel to work with the United Nations so it can get humanitarian aid into Gaza now. It's imperative that uh, this assistance get in, that more of it get in, and that once it's in, it get effectively to the people who need it. Getting these astronomical numbers comes as 90% of Gaza's population faces severe food insecurity. This according to the United Nations. Meanwhile, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected Blinken's calls for a path to statehood for Palestinians with cooperation from the Israeli government. The only way to really get durable peace, durable security for Israel, as well as for everyone else, is, includes, has to include the realization of Palestinian political rights. Blinken says he has a couple takeaways from his trip to the Middle East. He flew everywhere. All of these countries now want a region that's more integrated. They want a region that includes Israel to give assurances for Israel's security. But that also has to include the Palestinian peace. And back home, some Democrats want to remove aid to Israel from this giant spending package that's up for debate. Others want to put conditions on the funds, which Senator John Corden, who's from Texas, thinks is just silly. Imagine if other countries tried to tell the United States how we should have conducted our fight against al-Qaeda after 9-11. There's this $10 billion aid package which has stalled on Capitol Hill, starting to make some progress in the Senate. The Biden administration, by the way, has twice used emergency authority to approve arms sales to Israel, just essentially going around Congress. Our nation had just lost 3,000 innocent lives through a series of terrorist attacks. Imagine if others tried to dictate the means by which we defeated that threat. This is not a time for preaching to Israel our most steadfast ally in the Middle East about how to defend themselves. Senator Corden says they can't delay the aid to Israel. That taking place as anti-Semitism continues to just skyrocket in the U.S. since the October 7th Hamas massacre in Israel. That's according to the Anti-Defamation League, which tracked more than 3,200 anti-Semitic incidents since the attack up until January 7th. Over 1,300 incidents are described as rallies that involve anti-Semitic or anti-Zionist rhetoric. Another 553 incidents involved vandalism, and 60 were physical assaults. More than 600 situations involved Jewish institutions like synagogues and community centers. I'm Brad Siegel. All right, let's head over to Europe. France's new prime minister had his first day in office since he was appointed Tuesday. The 34-year-old wants to show he is a man of action, so he wasted no time in traveling to the northern Pas-de-Calais region to visit flood victims. He promised to return to the north again within a month. Atal faces a big job to try to turn around the fortunes of President Macron's centrist party ahead of the EU elections in June. Atal will preside over a wider ministerial reshuffle over the next couple of days with a full government under the new prime minister named by the end of the week. Ross Cullen, Paris. 
Let's take a look at the markets. So we'll start with the mortgage applications just soaring in the beginning of 2024. That could signal that lower rates are bringing potential home buyers into the market. Applications surge first week of January, seasonally adjusted. The news comes after a bad year for home affordability. Dropping the mortgage rates could help ease that despite prices remaining relatively high. For sure, that's the case in the tri-state. The opening bell, it rings this morning on Wall Street after stocks closed higher yesterday. This comes as investors wait on the release of fresh inflation numbers. The Consumer Price Index report set to drop this morning, and traders will be looking for clues on whether the Fed will start cutting rates. At the closing bell yesterday, the Dow gained 170 points. S&P 500 rose 27. The Nasdaq gained 112 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yes, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 11th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 47. Tonight and overnight, some clouds, low 38. And then Friday, mostly sunny, high 48. There is another winter storm coming in Friday into Saturday. It'll be an all-rain event. It won't be as bad, thankfully, as Monday. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 38 and partly cloudy in Sleepy Hollow up in Westchester County, 41 and partly cloudy in Harrison down in New Jersey, and it is 42 and partly cloudy outside our Midtown studios right now. We'll start this half hour. Out in Brooklyn, where people are just really outraged by the fact that migrants were moved from that tent city at Floyd Bennett Field on Monday into the high school. This was when the storm was coming through the Sunday night into Monday. They were worried that those huge tents, the tent city that holds about 2,000 migrants, 500 families in all, might come tumbling down. So they needed to find an emergency place to put them. So it was James Madison High. And so classes were called off at James Madison High yesterday, at least in-person ones, and kids were staring at laptops, and uh, people were just completely freaked out by this. They should not have even considered this place a school. A a, a school of this size with over 4,000 students that you displaced today. Not everybody's got a teenager that's responsible and could stay home by themselves. Yeah, well, that's true. Parents say they're not sure if and how the school has been sanitized since these migrants were there. They're also concerned the city will use the school as a migrant shelter again because it seemed to work out first time. These storms are coming. It's the winter time. Floyd Bennett Field? Really? Like you weren't warned? Mr. Mayor, you knew this was going to happen. Everyone knew this was going to happen. That's Assembly Member Michael Riley, who's from Staten Island. If it's a one-time thing, it's bad enough. But if it's going to be a reoccurring um, event, it's definitely not acceptable. Um, Our kids should not be used. So those families have been moved back out, and they're back in that tent city at Floyd Bennett Field with another storm coming. Oh, it's very close to home. It's definitely too close to home. 
We need to take care of them. I just wish that there was a better place for them. This has been an atrocity, mismanagement of city money. Uh, the mayor, maybe he means well, but he really blew it this time. Yes, yeah, so now these parents want to know, uh, will you use the high school again? Will other high schools be used and what the plan is going forward? No, I don't think it's great that they put them into a high school overnight and, uh, and have children uh, learn remotely. It's, you know, not exactly ideal for kids, especially after being remote for so long, some kids especially. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that somebody's looking out for the safety of the community and that these people are okay. I'm afraid that Mayor Adams will send them back here. I want to move from here. It's really not fair what was done. It's a fair question to ask, and we did ask City Hall what's the plan going forward. If there's another storm, there's one Friday into Saturday, but maybe one as the intense one earlier this week, and we did not hear back from them. Those uh, residents up in the Bronx where a retaining wall collapsed, a landslide. This was yesterday, apparently caused by all those heavy rains, left uh, four buildings condemned, a auto body shop closed, and people say it could have been a whole lot worse. It happened well, before people got to work, and thankfully nobody was hurt. But this woman runs the auto body shop where this retaining wall collapsed. Thank God that nobody was in there. On the end of the of the of the side, there was three men working yesterday on a car. So they've known about this retaining wall and the chance that it could come down apparently for years. And they've told homeowners that they have to fix it. But homeowners have disputed that the city should be in charge of this wall. The city has been uh, trying to uh, blame us for the wall. And uh, to be honest, it's the wall, we can't really even get to it. Yesterday, we saw as the Department of Buildings was putting vacate orders on some of these homes, telling people you can't go back in. And these people are outraged. They say this retaining wall they knew about was going to come down at some point and they never fixed it. I never knew that I had to be responsible for a wall that I never even seen. Yeah, apparently the city says you're supposed to be. WABC News Time 539, New York State's first total... Uh, let me try that again. New York State's state's first... Oh, I see. This is so poorly written, and it's my fault. Let me try it a third time. New York's first total solar eclipse. There we go. In almost a century, we'll be here in fewer than 100 days. Nothing I can say, a total eclipse of a- Sun, as Governor Hochul says nearly a dozen state agencies and authorities have been collaborating for the past 15 months on plans to ensure a safe and memorable viewing experience for all. It'll be on April 8th when a total eclipse of the sun will encompass the western and northern parts of the state. And within a 15-minute window that afternoon, the moon will pass between the earth and sun, turning day into night for around one to three minutes. The 100-mile path of eclipse totality will cover 29 counties in New York. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. We've been talking a lot about the flooding this morning. There were some places where it was not as bad as it was expected to be. One of them, Westchester County, the county executive there, George Latimer, says some of the flood-prone parkways, they, you know, did see closures. Because the rain stopped in the middle of the night, the wind died down. Rescue crews did have to get a few drivers out of their cars because they ignored those barriers, as they sometimes do. Power outages have not been as bad. In fact, we're looking at the numbers across the tri-state. Most people got the juice flowing again. I don't know what possesses the driver to think he can get through that. Maybe he's got a you know SUV and he figures he's macho man. Yeah, and there's not much apparently they can do for these flooded parkways. It's always a problem. It is a problem. Some of it can be engineered. Some of it can't be engineered because of when Westchester was developed. It was developed a long time ago. 
people build houses relatively close to the river and roadways. And, of course, uh, more heavy rain, as I told you, is on the way for Friday to Saturday. It won't be as bad as earlier this week. However, dot, 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 your weather report tells us we've got more stuff coming Friday, Saturday, and I don't know how much more the ground is going to absorb. Uh, so we could have a much worse situation going into the weekend if we get another intense rain. Yeah, and that's the part of the problem across the Tri-State. city of Patterson just bracing for the Passaic River to overflow its banks today. The deputy fire chief there, Arthur Woods, says so far they've had not made any high-water rescues, but that may change today. No trees down and no reported power outages throughout the city. So as far as the storm was concerned, we just had localized street flooding as a result of flash flooding. Um, and vehicles driving in the floodwaters. The mayor there, Andre Sayas, says he's heard from Senator Cory Booker's office that they're going to provide any assistance Patterson needs. Senator Cory Booker has reached out to my office, and he has provided any assistance that we need. 542, let's bring it back here into the city. Some of the cuts made to the NYPD and FDNY to pay for the migrant mess a couple months ago, apparently they're going to be reversed. Mayor Adams says uh, the funding is going to be restored for the police academy class in April. The initial cut was going to be 5%, apparently going away. Uh, This means 600 additional police officers will be on the streets protecting New Yorkers uh, coming uh, this fall. So you might remember the Adams administration announced back in November that the next five police academy classes would be canceled, reducing the department to 20,000 cops by 2025. The mayor says that um, that's going to go away, that uh, the numbers will go back up again. The mayor also announcing yesterday that a fifth firefighter will be returned to 20 engine companies. Uh, I am really pleased to announce that we have been able to restore funding for the April Police Academy class. I'm proud to announce that we have good news to the FDNY as we restore the fifth firefighter at 20 of the city's engine companies. I'm happy to say that we'll be able to reverse uh, some of the cuts to the NYPD and FDNY that we initially announced in November. Yeah, good news for the NYPD and FDNY. 543. A third of Gen Z. They live with their parents or a family member because they can't afford to rent or buy their own place. According to a new survey from Intuit Credit Karma, 31% of Gen Zers are living with parents after being hit particularly hard by high housing costs, elevated interest rates, and stagnant wage growth. Renting isn't any better. In 2022, 30% of the median income is now needed to pay the average rent for the first time. Last year, the typical first-time homeowner was 36 years old, according to the Association of Real that's a record high and a full decade older than the oldest Gen Zer. Hmm, amazing. Uh, today is National Take the Stairs Day to promote clean air and healthy lungs. Oh, let's skip that story. YouTube is looking to help out in medical emergencies. Are you like me to go to YouTube for videos all the time? I had something going on with the toilet. It was running. and I couldn't figure out why. And there was a YouTube video, and I was able to figure out it's amazing. But now people are going there for medical emergencies as well. The streaming giant revealed Wednesday it's teamed up with multiple health organizations, including Mass General Brigham and the American Heart Association. The content includes videos regarding CPR, choking, and other urgent health matters. The move is part of YouTube's initiative to crack down on medical misinformation. In addition, viewers are urged to call 911 before looking up any material. I'm at Mattinson. Taylor Swift made up 1.7% of the entire U.S. record music market last year. That's according to 
2023's year's end report from Luminate. That's an entertainment data company. It's no surprise after the pop star's big year with her record-breaking global Eras tour. The report estimates one in every 78 audio streams in the U.S. last year was a Taylor Swift song. It's really unbelievable. 545 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Malaita. Nick Saban is officially hanging up his headset, one of college football's coaching greats, won seven national championships, and turned Alabama back into a national powerhouse that included six of those titles, announced his retirement yesterday after 17 seasons in Tuscaloosa. Quote, the University of Alabama has been a very special place to Terry and me. Saban did say in a written statement, quote, we have enjoyed every minute of our 17 years being the head coach at Alabama as well as becoming a part of the Tuscaloosa community, end quote. Saban, uh, who just ended his final season in a loss to eventual national championship Mich- uh, champion Michigan in the Rose Bowl, he won 201 games, tied with Vince Dooley out of Georgia for the second most wins at a single school in SEC history, behind only Bear Bryant, who won 232 games in his 25 seasons with Alabama. Under Bryant, Alabama reached dynastic heights, winning 13 SEC championships and Six national titles, Saban returned the Crimson Tide to those heights, winning nine conference crowns and six more national titles. Locally and at the professional football level, the New York Giants and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale have finally mutually agreed to part ways. The team announced yesterday Martindale is free to sign elsewhere without restrictions, a source told ESPN. The Giants will keep the $3 million he was owed, according to the agreement by both parties. This comes as no real surprise, as we know already that Martindale was expected to resign from his job. That decision came after the team fired two of his closest assistants, moves that prompted Martindale to curse out coach Brian Dable, a source confirmed to ESPN on Monday. Stick, uh, sticking with the NFL, Pete Carroll is also out as the Seattle Seahawks head coach after 14 seasons, 10 playoff appearances, and the franchise's lone Super Bowl championship. Carroll, whose Seahawks finished 9-8 and and missed out on the playoffs for the second time in three seasons, he will remain with the team in an unspecified advisory role. On the hardwood after an off day yesterday... Are you pay, I don't mean to interrupt you. Actually, yeah, I do mean to interrupt yeah, you. No, well, Are you going to pay the 6 bucks to Peacock to watch that Miami-Kansas uh, City game on Saturday night? No. It's, there's a paywall if you don't know. It's, I'm not doing it. No. 6 bucks to watch the game. I know Lewis did it. He paid six bucks. Yeah, Lewis got Peacock. I mean, it's the biggest game of the weekend, and it's going to cost six dollars. I know. Yeah. Well, okay, not the biggest game. I, I beg to differ, but well, I think it's the biggest game. Okay, one of the biggest games of the weekend. No, my, Saturday my night. Game, my game is the biggest game. Of the weekend. Uh, yeah, well, that's your Monday. Oh, okay. Now we're getting technical. But six bucks. They've never done this before. The NFL put a game behind a paywall, and people are going haywire. Of course, they're this. going haywire. It's a stupid, stupid thing to do. Well, first of all, you got to find it. Right. You gotta find it if you have it on the fire stick or on your system. You gotta find that. That takes forever. Right. Peacock's not like HBO or no. Hulu. It's like no. not right there. No. But that's how they got you now. Are they gonna start putting bigger right. games on? That's the thing. It's like people people really need to see this game. They do. So that's why you're still gonna get probably some pretty solid ratings. I, I don't think it'll do that much to affect the ratings. Obviously, it'll take a hit. Six bucks just to create a Peacock account. And Let then, me help you out. If you sign up for an Instacart 14-day trial, Peacock is included in that. And so you can sign up for that free trial. And after the game's over, cancel it. Right. And then you won't have to pay six bucks. So you couldn't do that with Peacock. You have to pay the six bucks up front. Yeah, there's right. no trial with Peacock. Oh, right. wow. And then you'd cancel it. Wow. Really? Oh, no. It's going to get worse. Oh, my <laughs> God.
Good luck. What a world we're living in. Yeah. Mike. <laughs> it's like the, it's like I said yesterday, it's like the Yankees being on Amazon Prime, except there's 162 games in a baseball season, so it's not the biggest deal if you miss one game. No, but a playoff game. Right. How could the but NFL a, do that to us? But a playoff NFL game, is, yeah. that's ridiculous. Right. My God. But people are going to do it. Of course they're going to do it. Yep. Got to have your football. And gambling. There you go. Right. <laughs> Speaking as the degenerate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the hardwood, uh, quickly here this afternoon at 2 p.m., the Nets are at, out in Paris. France to take on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Paris game. Then tonight we'll return stateside to watch the Knicks tip off with the Mavericks in Dallas at 8.30. No local action on the ice yesterday either, but all three local teams back at it tonight. The Devils will visit the Lightning in Tampa Bay at 7 p.m. Also at 7, the Islanders simultaneously getting going at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Later on at 8 p.m., the Rangers return to action in St. Louis against the Blues. So that's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Thank you. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of the bigger ones today, no doubt, will be that the Passaic River in New Jersey is going to crest. And lots of people who are flooded out, you'll remember right before Christmas, going to be flooded out a second time. Though this time it could affect even more homeowners. The folks are in Wayne, New Jersey. First time I got it pretty bad. I lost everything. My basement, whatever I had. Furnaces, washer, dryers. My street is already cracking. I have two pumps in the basement running right now. Yeah, the thought is the river will crest maybe even at a higher level than it did a few weeks ago. It isn't the only one that's going to overflow its bank. It's possible Rambapo, Rockaway, and Pompton Rivers will cause problems, too. We've been through it before. My pump's working. As long as they don't turn off the water, the electricity will be fine. It's not going to come over. You can tell already nothing bad's going to happen this time. Last time it flooded through the street. Local authorities just begging people to leave so they don't get trapped in their houses. We already have everything packed and ready to go. We just... Waiting to see what happens. It's difficult to, you know, take everything you have downstairs and move it elsewhere. Yes, so Ryerson Road, that's one of the big places in Wayne, New Jersey, that floods all the time. I remember back when I was a street reporter, they always sent me there because there was always flooding. And so there's lots of talk of, and has been for probably decades now, why not move these people out so we don't have to spend tax dollars taking them and paying to fix their houses, everything, or helping pay fix their houses every time something goes wrong with this flooding, especially now that it seems to be happening more often. And that was the thought from the Wayne mayor yesterday, Christopher Vergano says homeowners in these areas that are getting flooded out more and more often should take advantage of this federally funded buyout program. They've been here forever when it's not raining and it's not flooding and they have beautiful neighborhoods. There's a lot of vacant land around them because we've purchased a lot of homes and I understand that it's a voluntary program. But this is two storms, three weeks in a row, within a three-week period. I think that might give people the edge to say enough is enough. Whenever it floods in Wayne, it always causes traffic nightmares. That's the case today. A 90-minute delay, by the way, Wayne Temp Public Schools today. Lodi also getting hit hard, as it does usually during major floods, from the Saddle River due to that storm earlier this week. Bergen County Executive Jim Tedesco wants the federal government to step in there with flood prevention by dredging the river more consistently. The only way that that can be done is with large sums of federal dollars and the bureaucracy has to go. Governor Murphy, he was in Lodi yesterday, also taking a tour of flooded out areas, says flooding happening with increased frequency. He blames it on climate change. He says the state's going to do everything it can to qualify for federal aid. He says the state will try and get federal aid for those flooded homeowners. Our hearts are with the homeowners who are getting whacked by this. We're going to do everything we can to try to qualify for federal money. That's a very high 
bar. This homeowner in Lodi says he was kind of tricked into buying his house by somebody who told him it floods only once in a long while. When we bought the house, they're like, hey, it happens maybe every seven years. Oh, you see back there? Yeah. The entire wall broken, destroyed that wall. That whole wall was destroyed over here. Uh, it crumbled because it couldn't uh, withstand the pressure of the water. The flooding not just taking place in New Jersey. It took place across the tri-state, not as intensely as it has in New Jersey. Suffolk County Executive Ed Romaine out on Long Island asking Governor Hochul to declare a state of emergency there following the storm, which left multiple communities underwater. Romaine says the action by the governor would qualify the county for FEMA aid, helping rebuild beaches and dunes that were damaged by the storm. That would qualify us for FEMA aid. So we're hoping that the governor will do that. We're going to try to rebuild our dunes and help our beaches. Yeah, the problem there was uh, new breaches opened up during the storm up on Fire Island, the barrier island that protects the south shore. And the bad news is uh, more winter storms that could bring more rain. Some colder temperatures, too, are headed our way into the weekend. The first storm is on track to dump significant snow across the Midwest this week, but then it'll be another rain event because it'll just be too warm here in the city starting Friday night into Saturday. It won't be as intense as earlier this week, but then there's a chance for more snow or rain, and it is winter, in our neck of the woods. This is Monday night into Tuesday. It's a little too early to tell how much snow that will bring. Of course, we'll be following it. The other big story yesterday was this uh, F-line derailment. What is going on with the subways? We had the accident last Last week on the Upper West Side, 24 hurt when two trains collided earlier, a week or two earlier, a worker was hit by a train. This one, Coney Island, the incident happened on the subway tracks above West 6th Street between 8th Street and Neptune Avenue. Two cars had to be evacuated. There were 37 people on board. Thankfully, nobody hurt. The train just shook and went sideways. It went up and sideways. So... That's what it felt like. So I knew right away it was a derailment. I've never experienced it before, but it was obvious. Took place as the train was heading into the Neptune station. The cause of the derailment, not totally clear. Transit Authority officials say the rail car itself was actually new. So the investigation is now focused on the tracks themselves. Here's Transit Authority President Richard Davey. Look, we'll get to the bottom of this. I realize that uh, we had issues obviously last week as well. And uh, We'll get to the bottom of whatever uh, this is, but at this point, uh, from the um, collision we had last week and derailment today, don't seem like they're connected at all. All right, well, that's good, but there's just a lot of questions about all these problems they've been having.